0: It's time now for the complete story with Dick Bot, a public news and information feature of Bot Radio Network to keep you informed about the most important issues of our day. Now, here is Dick Bot with today's complete story. I'll
1: well, tell you what, folks. I think Rich is in Indiana uh, this week, and um, so here I am. Here I am, and there you are. The thing we want to talk about today is something that I caught my attention last night, and... Uh, during the debates, the Democrat debates, and I was just watching and thinking and uh, considering now who was speaking and what were they what were they saying and one of the moderators one of the moderators said uh, it's interesting that every candidate uh, on this platform now for the Democrat nomination uh, is pro-choice or in favor of abortion or highly uh, strongly supports abortion on demand and do you know the audience just just kind of sh- shouted and, and clapped and, and everything and it reminded me of what I heard in New York City and then another time in Virginia when abortion right up right up to the moment of birth was applauded and it made me think of this song here it is
2: Who will speak up for the little ones? Helpless and half abandoned. They've got a right to choose life they don't want to lose. I've got to speak up, won't you? Yeah.
1: See, you know, folks, that becomes the question. That becomes this question. No one that I see is saying, let's first of all consider, is this a baby or not? is this a living human being that we're talking about or not? Um, you know, if that question is not ans- is not put, is not asked, why then, of course, people can sidestep uh, what the whole thing is about, for goodness sake. Now, Star Parker is one of my favorite people. Um, Star Parker knows exactly what living um, is about when you come up in the wrong side of the track, so to speak. Star Parker, she knew exactly uh, what life was like, apart from being a Christian. And then if you're a Christian, you have to read the Bible and take it seriously. So Star Parker's life story, I want you to hear that right now.
3: I was out of control. I just was doing whatever came. And my kid at that point was a few years old and I mean, I was barely taking care of her.
2: Star Parker's reckless search for happiness would bring her to a breaking point and would dramatically change her. Star Parker entered her teen years in an America reeling from the racial turmoil and sexual upheaval of the late 60s. Her love for excitement and risk easily led to a lifestyle of reckless decisions. I love life
3: and I like freedom. I would go to school all day and then sneak out at night and we would go break and enter people's homes and we would go get in a lot of fights. Finally it escalated to one of my really close associates at that time uh, wanted to rob a store. He was like, run, run, and the store owner, you know, started yelling and screaming. That's when I first thought, wow, there's something wrong with what we're doing and we could actually end up Dead. And so that's when I started running. And it was my first experience with feeling that I am really going down a path of no return. So I'd hang out at Venice Beach, I'd hang out in clubs, and take a lot of drugs, and I kept getting pregnant, and then I would just have abortion, and then I'd get pregnant again. It was just like, <laughs> this is, you know, crazy living. I didn't like the decisions I was making, but I didn't have any control over them, I felt. I just was doing whatever came.
2: After four abortions, Starr decided to keep her next child. As a pregnant mom on welfare, she began to look for extra income.
3: I went into an advertising agency looking for money under the table. This particular agency was being run by three men, uh, good-looking men, I might add, and I thought, oh, I could work here. This would be great, <laughs> because I was a party girl. Um, And that's when they confronted me. They said they didn't pay under the table. They were legitimate businessmen. (laughs) I'll never forget. I was very confronted to them. They were confronted back to me. And they finally told me my lifestyle was unacceptable. I couldn't work there. And I was really upset at this point. And so I asked them, unacceptable to who? And they said it was unacceptable to God. And I just stopped. I I didn't know what to say. Up until that point, I never really thought about God. And I never really thought about God thinking about me.
2: When Starr ended up alone in the hospital with an emergency C-section, she received an unexpected visitor.
3: Ken, who I'd met at the advertising agency, who had called me a couple of times during my pregnancy to let me know that, you know, they were thinking about me, he came to the hospital. And I don't even know how he knew that I was at the hospital. And he's telling me that, you know, God loved me. And and I told him that um, you know I I don't know why I couldn't love myself. And he left, and I left. I went home, and I didn't change anything. I just kept partying and kept kept on welfare, and he kept calling. And then finally, I just went to church with him. I thought maybe what he was saying was true. Maybe God did love me. It seemed peaceful. It seemed um, controlled. I was out of control. And I never thought I wanted control. But when I saw that, I wanted it. I knew I'd sinned, but I think when it became crystal clear that I needed Christ, I had to be forgiven of something really deep was when abortion was mentioned, because now we're talking the taking of a life. And that's when I realized that I really did need to be saved, because, not just saved from, you
2: know, hell. I needed to be saved from myself. Star surrendered her life to Jesus Christ, and the difference in her quickly became evident.
3: Every time we would go to the Bible study or go to the church, he would bring forth a message from the scripture. There was something in there that would convict me somewhere else that maybe I thought or didn't think about at all. Before I was out of control sexually because I had no reason to say no. Now I have reason to say no because the scripture says say no. I was still living on welfare and that was just how I lived. And one day the preacher said, what are you doing living on welfare? I thought, what? How does he know I live on welfare? (laughs) He said, the government is not your source. Turn in your Bible. And he had his turn. Sure enough, it said, and my God will supply all your needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. So I wrote my caseworker and told her to take my name off. God delivered me. He just really, really has recovered my life, that I'm confident in that if he would do it for me, he could do it for somebody else. You know, it's not just something that somebody told me and I'm kind of making it up as I go along. I can be confident in something that is eternal. His hand is a loving hand and I just owe my life to him.
1: Yeah, you see, you see, folks, The story is the same old story. Uh, Margaret Thatcher said, of course, it's the same old story. Truth always is. Isn't that interesting? Now, let me tell you, you've heard me speak of the Summer of Mercy in Wichita, Kansas, in the summer of 1991. And Rich and I went there as reporters. We went there just to cover the story. What on earth was happening? What on earth was happening? Why was Wichita singled out as uh, as the Summer of Mercy? Well, it's because there was a third trimester abortionist in Wichita that was harbored there, that was insulated there, and he would do abortions so late that hardly any place in the whole United States would do them as late as this abortionist did. And yet there he was. In the middle of the city with churches every which way with churches and pastors and Christian people every which way and yet there it was so rich and I went there well after it was all over pastor Joe Wright of Central Christian Church was asked to come and be the guest chaplain to open the state Meeting um, with the representatives with a prayer, and so Joe Wright did, and man alive, did that ever create an uproar? Because he talked about sin, he talked about forgiveness, he talked about asking God to please speak to our hearts and make us decent people, and uh, this was his prayer. But after it was over, why some of those some of those Democrats got up and stomped around and made a commotion and, and made a big mess. So I want you to hear Pastor Joe Wright's prayer right now in his own voice. Here it is.
4: Heavenly Father, we come before you today to ask forgiveness, to seek your direction and guidance. We know your word says, woe to those who call evil good, But that is exactly what we have done. We've lost our spiritual equilibrium and inverted our values. We confess that we've ridiculed the absolute truth of your word and we've called it moral pluralism. We have worshipped other gods and we've called it multiculturalism. We have endorsed perversion and we've called it alternative lifestyle. We've exploited the poor and called it lottery. We've neglected the needy and we've called it self-preservation. We've rewarded laziness and we've called it welfare. We've killed our unborn babies, and we called it choice. We've shot abortion uh, 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 people and called it justification. We've neglected to discipline our children, and we've called it building esteem. We've abused power, and we've called it political savvy. We've coveted our neighbor's possessions and we called it ambition. We've polluted the air with profanity and pornography and we've called it freedom of expression. We've ridiculed the time-honored values of our forefathers and we've called it enlightenment. Search us, O God, and know our hearts today. Try us and see if there be some wicked way in us. Cleanse us from every sin and set us free. Heal this land, O God. Restore this nation. Grant us wisdom to guide and set us free. Take our wickedness and sin and cleanse us from within. Hear our cry, hear our plea. In the name of Jesus, heal this land. Amen.
1: Amen. And you see, after that was over, well, then there was the big ruckus. And I, you know, it could have been Republicans, but it wasn't, it was Democrats. It was Democrats that started marching around and carrying on and saying, he can't do that. That's disrespectful to us. So Paul Harvey heard about it. And when Paul Harvey put it on his nationwide broadcast, I want you to hear it again just after hearing Pastor Joe Wright. Here's Paul Harvey and what he said.
0: Man, oh man, they won't invite Pastor Joe to the Kansas State Legislature again. They invited Pastor Joe Wright of Wichita Central Christian Church to deliver the invocation, and he told God on them. Now God knows what they've been up to. And no sooner has... Their guest chaplain concluded his prayer, Then three Democrats on the state legislature are on their feet at microphones protesting he can't talk like that about us. Representative Delbert Gross called the invocation gross, derisive, sanctimonious, and overbearing. Representative David Haley called it blasphemous and ignorant. Representative Sabrina... Standifer echoed the indignation, what in the world had Pastor Joe said in Topeka, which incited the righteous wrath of three Democrats from Hayes and Kansas City? Well, (laughs) I have secured the entire text of the invocation so that you can evaluate it for yourself. What was it these Democrats didn't like? Quote, Heavenly Father, we come before you today to ask your forgiveness and to seek your direction and guidance. We know your word says woe to those who call evil good, and that's exactly what we've done. We've lost our spiritual equilibrium. We've inverted our values. We confess that we've ridiculed the absolute truth of your word in the name of moral pluralism. We've worshipped other gods and called it multiculturalism. We've endorsed perversion and called it alternative lifestyle. We've exploited the poor and called it a lottery. We've neglected the needy and called it self-preservation. We've rewarded laziness and called it welfare. Father, in the name of choice, we have killed our unborn, and then in the name of right to life, we've killed abortionists. We've neglected to discipline our children and called it building esteem. We have abused power and called it political savvy. We have coveted our neighbors' possessions and called it taxes. We have polluted the air with profanity and pornography and called it freedom of expression. We have ridiculed the time-honored values of our forefathers and called it enlightenment. Search us, O God. Know our hearts today. Try us and show us any wicked in us, and then cleanse us from every sin and set us free. Guide and bless these men and women who have been sent here by the people of Kansas and who have been ordained by you to govern this great state. Grant them your wisdom to rule, and may their decisions direct us to the center of your will. I ask it in the name of your Son, the living Savior, Jesus Christ, amen.
1: Mm. Isn't that something? Isn't that something? And I'll tell you, Kansas is not that different than every other state that's hearing this broadcast right now. I'm just thinking in my mind, Oklahoma or Tennessee or Texas or Indiana or Nebraska uh, or Iowa or even uh, even South Dakota, you name the state where this broadcast is being heard right now, and the same prayer should be said, frankly, in the churches. We should ask God to forgive us for what we have allowed to happen and get into such state of affairs. Now, uh, you see, there is another woman here that I want you to hear from. She had three abortions. And i'll tell you christ did not come to condemn christ come to save us christ come to redeem us christ did not come to condemn us get that straight so nobody nobody is being condemned we are saying the little ones the least of these for goodness sake can't we organize ourselves so that the least of these are not the ones that are sacrificed as the adults try and work their way through the problems of life now listen to this person's story
5: i think what's on my heart is to talk to the women out there that have had abortions and to let them know that their sin is not bigger than god There are a lot of people that struggle with um, getting over the sin of abortion. I've heard a lot of people say in their life, you know, I can't forgive myself for this sin of abortion, and that is true. If you could forgive yourself, you wouldn't need Jesus. That's why Jesus came, to forgive us. Um, I have a history with abortion that started at the age of 16. I became pregnant um, at the age of 16, and my father, took me for my first abortion. Um, Abortion had just become legal and so when I got pregnant at 16 I didn't even think about having an abortion. I actually wanted to place my baby for adoption. I knew that I was too young to be a mother but I never even considered abortion until my father suggested and my boyfriend suggested that I get an abortion. And since it had just become legal my father took me at age 16 for my first abortion, and at the time, I remember thinking, "Well, it's not a baby; it's just, you know, a pregnancy. That you know, we've just stopped the pregnancy." Um, I got married at 18. I got pregnant before I got married, and I wanted my baby, and I had her. And I have a daughter. Her name is Shellen. She's 35 now. And then I wanted to have another baby, and I ended up having a miscarriage. I got pregnant again and I had another little girl and she's now 31 and her name is Angela. And after six years of marriage, I got divorced. And when I divorced, I had a, an 18-month-old and a four-and-a-half-year-old. And I remained single for seven years. And during that time, I was very promiscuous. And at about age 28, I got pregnant again and I knew that I was a single mom and it was all I could do to afford these two girls and I knew that I couldn't afford another baby so I went and I had another abortion at 28 and again thinking all along that it wasn't a baby it was just a pregnancy that I was terminating I got pregnant again when I was about 30 and at this time I had just gotten married but the Pregnancy was not planned. It happened before I got married, and I didn't want the baby. My first marriage started out with me being pregnant when I got married, and my second marriage started out with me being pregnant. So I had my third abortion. And then I had my youngest daughter, Tentley, who's now 21. I ended up getting divorced again and it was when I got divorced at that time that my middle daughter led me to the Lord at age 42. She had become a believer in Christ in the fifth grade when she went to camp with a friend. Uh, And in the fifth grade she came back and she was all happy because she had been to camp and she was full of joy and I didn't understand her joy and I said, you know, why are you so happy? And she said, well, I just asked Jesus to come into my heart. I'm saved." And I said, well, I don't understand what that means, and are you going to talk about Jesus all summer? And, you know, I can remember now looking at her face and seeing how disappointed she was because in the fifth grade she knew at that point that her mother wasn't saved. So, the, the second divorce devastated everyone in my family. And it was through that devastation that God reached down through all of that hurt and that pain and called me out and my uh, middle daughter had a church praying for me for two years that I would come to know the Lord and I did at age 42 and at age 42 when I read the Bible for the first time and I read the passage that I knew you before you were formed in your mother's womb I fully understood what I had done that I'd taken the life of three of my children they weren't choices, they weren't just pregnancy, they were my children. And I remember when I read that passage and I fell to my knees, and I was weeping and I just yelled it out. I said, God forgive me, please God forgive me. I took the life of my kids and he said, I know, I was there. I've just been waiting on you. The peace that came over me, the peace that came over me, I mean, I would pray that anybody that's suffering from abortion could understand and feel the peace that I do. And anyone that's been forgiven through Christ, they understand.
1: Yeah, they understand exactly. I'm thinking of some songs that I just feel so appropriate right now. How about uh, how about that song by Carol Robeson, uh, Once I Was Blind and Now I See.
6: There is a story in the Bible, recorded in John chapter 9. How a man was touched by Jesus This man was born blind Jesus took a little bit of clay Placed it on his eyes Told him to wash in the pool of Siloam Then he received his sight and he said
5: Once I was blind but now
6: I can see That's all that I know Once I was blind but now I can see That's how the story goes was in darkness i was blinded by my sin i couldn't see where i was going didn't care where i had been Then i felt the hand of jesus touching my blinded eyes i can't explain but i'll forever proclaim that jesus Change my life Once I was blind But now I can see That's all that I know Once I was blind But now I can see That's how the story goes Once I was blind But now I can see That's all that I know once I was blind, but now I can see that's how the story goes
1: hmm. See, folks, <laughs> that's the way it was for all of us, isn't it? That's the way it just was for all of us. Now, I wanna I want you to hear a couple of of the comments that our listeners have called in on our listener comment line. Let me give you that number right now, 800-345-2621. And here's, here's a gentleman that called in from St. Louis. Here it is.
2: This is Ray listening to Bot Radio in St. Louis on KSIV FM. My wife Ruth and I began listening to Bot Radio when we lived in Kansas City in the early 1960s when it was a daytime only AM station, I believe. My clock radio is tuned to Bot Radio. It comes on at 5.30 in the morning to Bot Radio and listen to Jack Hibbs from California. Wow. Thank you, Bot Radio. Congratulations, Dick and Shirley, Bot, and Rich. We thank you for the wonderful broadcast you provide every day. God Uh bless you.
1: Thank you. Well, thank you, my good friend in St. Louis. Now, here's a quick one from John, and uh, he's actually blind. Listen to this.
4: My name is John I listen to probably at least 50 to 70 hours a week legally blind. The Word of God has been taught to me by BOT Radio. That is where 90% of my education has came from, and I am passing it on. I also have a friend that helps me with my ministry. He got saved by accidentally turning his radio and catching the name of Adrian. He was raised in Adrian. He began to listen to BOT Radio in the middle of the night, and he got saved through that. The Word of God is awesome. And you guys are doing an awesome job of spreading the word through the radio stations
1: yeah thank you well when he mentioned adrian i suppose he heard uh, adrian rogers from uh, memphis tennessee um, but anyway god uses anything to get our attention and then bring us to himself when we are willing see when we are willing to hear him and be sensitive to his will. All right, now, this is Dick Bott with this chapter of The Complete Story as a public service, and I'll see you later.